Cheers. Cheers to that. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Coffee with a Trainer 5.0. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael Hartman. I'm the owner and CEO of Formal Fitness Training. We train out of Y Missing Fitness and the Mifflin YMCA here in Berks County. Today, I'm joined with my good friend, Ben Feynman. We go back, way back in the day. We played all kinds of sports together, went to high school together, college together. We've known each other for a very long time. We've done a lot of workouts together over the years. I respect this man. He owns his own company called Intuitive Roots, and I'll let him talk a little bit more about that right now. Welcome to the show, Ben. Oh, hello, guys. Um, yeah, Intuitive Roots is my uh, personal training LLC. Um, I have a business partner named uh, Noah Griego, who uh, is kind of runs the tech side of it for me. So he's not quite the fitness guy, but um, he runs that aspect of it. Um, we really created the company a few years back. Um, just really as a means to connect people, um, bring people together that are really living, you know, pursuing active lifestyles. Um, three pillar component, um, that being build the body, grow the mind, uh, pursue your passions. So we really believe strongly those three aspects um, will help lead to, you know, a good quality of life, um, tying those things together. So the build your body would obviously be more on the physical side, the training you do, um, for just good general, you know, health, strength, um, and then also to support your activities, whatever those might be. Um, grow the mind, just always looking for, you know, new ways to absorb knowledge, um, you know, through podcasting, through reading, through um, blog posts, um, you know, just really kind of trying to stay on the cutting edge of what you can be doing to stay at the top of your health and fitness. Um, you know, that might, might uh, be exploring, you know, other things that are coming into play now, such as float therapy, um, you know, just things that are going to help expand your mind and, uh, you know, help push things along in that aspect. And then pursue your passions, being the third pillar, um, just really being, having things in life you're passionate about, whether they're kind of more active pursuits, um, like we're kind of really big into snowboarding, rock climbing, mountain biking, just really the outdoors and being outside, kind of getting after it. So I develop a lot of my training programs around that and people that are kind of just you know, everyday, um, you know, living active lifestyles that kind of need that support. So whether your pursuits be active or, you know, maybe it's something from, I don't know, like music or other things that you do to, to um, bring happiness in your life, that's a big part of the whole um, spectrum. So we try to encourage people to do that. And then obviously, if your pursuits are active, um, you know, we can really help with the training for that. So, uh, that's kind of what I do on the side. I also put in a 40 hour week doing uh, managing a corporate fitness center um, in Philadelphia. So uh, stay pretty busy. So I've devoted as much time as I can to uh, intuitive roots right now. Um, I have a decent amount of clients I see in person. Uh, 2019, I'm really gearing up to do a lot more virtual stuff. So um, be putting a lot, a lot more promotion about those things coming up. But I'm um, really trying to do both online training programs um, with nutritional support um, and you know it's going to be different tiers but starting out a lot of just body weight style workouts you can do from home kind of you know appealing to the modern day crowd that you know might not want the full gym membership or might not have time to go put in an hour workout um, so you know just things that you can do from home to start off and then progress that into you know hopefully some more um, you know, um, implement based training with kettlebells, maces, um, suspension training, some of the tools that I really like to, to use in my strike training. So um, that's it in a gist. So uh, look for some of that upcoming virtual stuff uh, in the new year. 
Yeah, so as always, this this podcast slash Facebook Live here will be on my podcast later. You can find it on all your podcast avenues. It'll also be on the Formal Fitness Training website. Ben has his own podcast as well. Yeah, so that's mostly managed by my partner, Noah Griego. Um, it's called Chaos Wranglers. Um, just really kind of talking to people from all walks of life that are kind of, you know, fitting in with one of our pillars, build the body, grow the mind, pursue your passions. So we kind of gear the podcast around you know, whatever that person's kind of bringing to the table and that kind of drives the conversation. But it's just really people that are, you know, trying to uh, pursue and, uh, you know, really tackle something that they've been working on. And we try to get a lot of guests that are coming from that mindset. So. Yeah, so I've actually been on that podcast. If anybody wants mm-hmm. to check that out, um, Ben will be happy to give you the link to check that out as well. Definitely. So um, intuitiveroots.com, follow the Chaos Wranglers um, section if you want to see any of those podcasts. Okay, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I think yours was like number 15 or something like that. It's in there, formal fitness training. So. All right. Yeah, very cool. So if it's your first time joining us on the Coffee with the Trainer, basically you guys have and girls have the opportunity to ask us any questions. Um, we have a combined about 26 years in the fitness industry. We both have our degrees from Penn State University. Um, but basically we have some questions that are frequently asked of us that we're going to tackle. But if you have any specific questions, feel free to put them in the comments and we'll get to them as... We can. So as our we first, can, right? <laughs> yeah, as fast as we can. So uh, first question. This one is the number one question by far that we get in the personal training industry and health industry as a whole, and it's how important is the scale when it comes to monitoring your results? And I'm going to let Ben tackle this one. Um, I definitely think the scale holds importance. Um, I think a lot of people can tend to be really obsessive with it. So. Um, you know, if it's something like you're weighing yourself daily, I think that that can get to a point where it might be a little much. You have to allow time for the results to happen. So um, I think if you're coming from a point where you do have a lot of weight to lose, um, it's, you know, a really good t- uh, tracking tool in that manner to check in weekly. Um, I just, you know, encourage people not to get too obsessive about it. Um, it is good to really look at things like your body composition, body fat. Um, I know not everyone has access to tools um, for measuring that. So I do think the scale holds importance for just kind of seeing, you know, what range you're in. Um, it's just good to know what your weight is, um, you know, so that way if for some reason you see like a big weight drop or a big weight gain, um, you know, you want to kind of investigate as to why that might be happening. Um, if you're trying new, new diets, new training programs, um, I, you know, try to get uh, my clients not to be too obsessed with the weight. You know, if we do have a goal, um, it's, you know, I try to get them to look at the body fat reduction um, and then looking at other things like circumference, um, you know, your waist size, are you going down in clothing sizes? Um, I think that's whole, um, all that stuff's very important as well. Um, The scale definitely doesn't tell the full tale, but I don't think it's something that should be completely ignored. Um, You should use it to kind of, you know, know what weight range you're in. So that's, you know, kind of how I would approach that. Absolutely. And I just want to just go off on a little tangent here since Thanksgiving is next week and Christmas is coming. Um, Keep in mind when you have a higher sodium, higher carbohydrate meal, I I expect you all to go out there and enjoy Thanksgiving. Don't be that guy that's there trying to eat your Tupperware at Thanksgiving. Enjoy Thanksgiving. (laughs) Have a piece of pumpkin pie. Have a couple beers. And know this. The next day, the scale might show a two, three, four, even five pound increase. You didn't gain five pounds overnight. So basically, people come back from vacations and they say to us a lot of times, hey, I gained 10 pounds of vacation. Well, that's physically impossible or it's very, very unlikely. Why? 
because there's 3,500 calories in each pound of fat. So you would have to overeat by 35,000 calories to gain 10 pounds. 3,500. So you'd have to overeat by 3,500 calories in one week, which is not impossible, but it's very, very, very hard to do. So that you'd have to be overeating every single day by 3,500 calories on average. So it's one of those things where the scale is going to tell you one thing, and it could just be bloating. It could just you be a lot of water retention if you've eaten a lot of high sodium foods, which you know a lot of people are going to tend to do over a vacation or when they're away. You're kind of off your normal diet. You're eating a lot more fried stuff, and yeah, your body's going to retain more water. So it's alarming when you step on the scale and get like, oh my god, but. You know, once you get back on track, once you get back on your normal diet, you usually see, you know, that weight kind of come back off. So it's not something to stress over. But at the same time, you know, be a little mindful if you're on vacation. Don't completely go off the rails. Try to be within reason, especially if it's a full week, 10-day vacation. Um, you know, just be mindful, but enjoy yourself, you know, within reason. Moderation is always, you know, I think the key with everything. Yeah, there's a secret weapon out there that I use quite a bit. So if you if you do get a little bloated from vacation or from Thanksgiving or Christmas, get some dandelion root extract uh, tea. Stick it in the microwave for about two minutes. Um, let it steep. You know, just sit in the, in the hot water for about ten minutes. Drink that down. It's a natural diuretic. It's going to help you get rid of some of that subcutaneous water and things along those lines. So you won't appear quite as bloated. So enjoy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. All right, number two. How does a beginner get their body ready for mace and kettlebell training? This one I brought in because Ben is heavy into the mace and the kettlebell training. Um, it's one of his specialties in my opinion and I figured this would be a good one for people that are thinking about trying that. Um, I think, you know, as with any kind of strength activity you're, you're going to do, you should have a good base of, you know, what I would consider some foundational movements. So. You know, if we look at what your foundational movement patterns are from a functional standpoint, you have squatting, hinging, um, lunging, and then uh, plank, upper body, push, pull. Um, I think that's all of them, but, and squatting, if I didn't say that. But So you should kind of know from uh, a basic standpoint, you want just a good foundation of strength and mobility. So you should have a good body weight squat. You want a good body weight lunge because those are patterns that you're going to be encountering within the training depending on, you know, maybe not so much kettlebell, but the mace, you might be tying some lunge into the movements, um, you know, with the uh, kettlebell stuff, um, you know, a, a swing, I consider the foundational movement, you know, it's kind of the center of the kettlebell universe for, for training. So developing a good swing, there's a prerequisite to that. You want a good hinge and deadlift pattern. So, you know, I think mace and kettlebell, there would a lot of people would consider specialty training. I don't think you need to be any kind of advanced athlete like a beginner can do some base stuff with a kettlebell and really step in right away and see results from it but um you know with any kind of strength training program um i really stress mobility so making sure all your joints are good um so you know we would start like a new person comes in kind of do a bit of a movement screen see if there's any joint imbalances see if you know they're really tight in certain areas of the body maybe really tight hamstrings or you know things that are kind of restricting movement and preventing you from you know completing those patterns so you know, we'll start just getting people to just really perfect, you know, some basic foundational body weight uh, movements well, and then, you know, get into loading the pattern and then, you know, start getting into some more advanced stuff with the kettlebell and the maces. But, um, you know, I, I just think there to any strength exercise, there's prerequisites, you know, good body weight squat, a good hinge pattern, being able to hold, you know, good forearm plank for up to a minute. Um, 
just developing standards of strength before you start going and really, you know, loading those patterns with a lot of weight where if you don't have the mobility for it or your strength's not quite there yet and you just try to load a lot of weight on top of whatever that movement pattern is, um, you know, it's, it's like put overstress in a car, something's going to break down. So, you know, really work on the mobility and the flexibility, um, making sure all your joints work well, and then just really focusing on, you know, really good form with all your strength patterns and getting that good um, functional base down and then, you know, just build off that. Um, and that was kind of all, you know, that aspect kind of tied into when um, Noah and I came up with the name Intuitive Roots. Um, really, it's just kind of like building an intelligent foundation um, of training. So, you know, being smart about your training, getting good strength, mobility, starting with a strong base and then building on top of that. Yeah, and I, I'm a big believer in the fact that most people put mobility and flexibility on the back burner. So um, having some kettlebell and some mace training mixed in with proper warm-ups and things like that, that's going to help with those two things as well. Yeah, that's with anything. You always want a proper warm-up, um, you know, and for the sake of convenience, if people are really time-pressed for a workout, you know, what are the two things that get thrown out the window? The warm-up and then the cool-down. Um, and those are two of the most important aspects when you're talking about recovery, when you're talking about, you know, preventing injury within your workout. You know, you don't want to just go in and if you're benching, just, you know, throw two 45s and a, you know, 25 on each side and get right into it. You know, you might want to do some banded stuff, you know, get your rotator cuffs ready, do some bodyweight push-ups, warm up your chest, um, do a few shoulder mobility exercises, make sure your body's prepared for the workout. And then afterwards, you know, work on that flexibility, put that extra time into really gaining mobility because the more flexibility and mobility you have around your joints, you know, the better you can move, um, the, you know, more complex you're going to be able to get with your training, the more strength you're going to be able to develop and all that good stuff. Yeah. And knowing that you can't go in with an all or nothing, nothing approach. So if you have an hour to work out and you're a beginner or even an intermediate, say it takes 10 minutes to warm up and 10 minutes to stretch and cool down. Well, that's important. So your lifting is going to be 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what it's going to be. Um, if you want to go a little bit more volume, a little heavier, things like that, make sure you schedule accordingly, have enough time to do the full workouts and yeah. things it, along it, those lines. It, you know, it really comes down to smart programming and looking at how much time you have and, uh, you know, also other aspects like how many times you're training within a week. But, um, if you can minimize the actual time of your workout, but focus more on the important aspects of the workout and, you know, instead of doing... 15 different exercises um, and doing a lot of, you know, kind of more accessory type exercises, just, you know, pick four, four movements and just really focus hard on those and, and put a lot of intention and uh, form into those movements. And uh, you'll get a lot more out of it than trying to do like one or two sets of, you know, like 30 different things. So, um, you know, program well, have a good outline and then, you know, Instead of trying to, you know, feel like you have to squeeze anything in, if you're on a limited time, pick really what you want to focus on for that day, whether it might just be coming in and doing, you know, deadlifting and a few sets of pull-ups. But, um, you know, you could do that in a half hour and, you know, in my opinion, get a lot more out of it than going and, you know, hitting an elliptical for 30 minutes. And it's obviously goal-based, but, I, you know, I think at the heart of it, you know, have a plan and uh, know how to get the most out of the time you're putting in. Well, that actually ties into something else, another question that we have here. Um, so, you know, a better workout in a shorter period of time doing some type of strength training thing versus steady state cardio. The question is, am I wasting my time doing steady state cardio? Um, 
Well, one, I would say it depends what your goal is, right? If you're training for like a cardio type event, you obviously have to put that time into training. So if you're training, instance, to run a 10K or something like that, then yeah, you're going to have to do steady state because you're going to be doing steady state in your race. So yeah, you want to be able to, you know, have a good cardiovascular base, have that muscular endurance to be able to push for, you know, an hour plus and be, you know, constantly moving. So um, it, it really depends for general weight loss. Um, I know there are a lot of people out there now saying that like cardio is no good whatsoever. Like don't put any time into cardio and I wouldn't go that far. Um, I definitely think you should, you know, put a lot of intention and focus into your strength training because I think a lot of it starts with building a good strength base. Um, you know, I think a lot of people get into running and they could really benefit from doing a little strength training to make their body stronger so that when they do run they get better contractions and get a better stride pattern so for the steady state cardio question um you know i i think there's a benefit to doing it for general heart health um and if you're new to fitness and you don't have a good fitness level then yeah i think it is good to go walk on a treadmill for a half hour or go do an elliptical for a half hour um as you build a fitness base um you might want to you know, and you're really starting to lose weight and then you really want to ramp things up and build some more lean mass, it's probably better to put more attention to the strength training. And then, you know, if you're really time pressed, start doing a little more interval based training and something that's going to, you know, boost your post oxygen consumption after the workout. So your body's going to continue to burn calories. Um, steady state cardio is not going to do that, but I do think for building a, a good starting point and just a good cardiovascular base, um, you know, for beginners, I would recommend it. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple good points built in there. So a beginner, you know, doing a little bit of the cardio just to get themselves started and, and moving into the, the realm of working out itself is a great idea. Um, combined with strength training, flexibility, mobility work, all that other good stuff. But as Ben had previously mentioned, when somebody's going to run a half marathon, yes, the steady state's going to be very, very important. But I think an important concept to remember is without muscular structure surrounding your joints your joints aren't going to be prepared for the that length of endurance mm -hmm. so you need to make sure you strengthen all those muscles and tendons around the joints before you get too heavily into the cardio as well i think a lot of times people go to the gym and the very first thing they do is they spend months just doing cardio mm -hmm. so i think you know that's okay if you're you're an older person or if you're a person that's just getting into working out but if you have lofty goals like running a marathon something like that it's going to have to be a perfect program of a combination of strengthening the joints, tendons, and ligaments, and the muscles surrounding that, those areas in addition. Yeah, and I cardio. think too, um, you know, if, if you're really trying to transform your body, so not just weight loss, but you really are trying to, you know, get a better physique, get leaner, build some muscle, it's, it's going to be a lot more important to start putting more um, effort into your strength training, because strength training is what's really going to help reshape your body. Um, Cardio is going to help you, you know, it'll help you burn additional calories. It'll, you know, if you're looking at daily calorie expenditure, it'll be good for that. But um, you should really be putting a lot of effort in your strength training if you're really looking to, you know, improve your body composition and your physique. So. And it's all about what you're trying to achieve. Always remember Absolutely. that. Programming has to be contingent with what you're trying to do. And that also ties into the third question here. Um, which I have a few opinions on. I'm sure Ben and I have a lot to talk about with this one, so this one probably can go down a few rabbit holes. But the third question, well, it actually is the fourth, the role carbohydrates play in fitness and fat loss. So I'm going to take that first and foremost and simply say, what you're trying to do and get out of life and how active you are on a day-to-day -day basis is going to be the number one 
reason why you would have less or more carbohydrates. So a construction worker that's on his feet all day, lifting, stepping, jumping, you know, climbing, all that stuff, nailing things in all day long, they're going to require more carbohydrates than the person who's sitting behind a desk. That doesn't even take us into fitness. So that's just saying from an occupational standpoint, if you're sitting most of the day, you're going to need a lot less calories and a lot less carbohydrates than people like Ben and I who are standing, picking up weights all day and helping people move around and stretching people the entire day. So from a fitness standpoint, if you're trying to lose body fat, I still think carbohydrates have their place. Now, pre-workout and post-workout are going to be the most important times for those carbohydrates when you're trying to burn fat. If you're trying to build muscle, carbohydrates are going to be just like protein. They should be every two to three hours, maybe four, and you should be consuming the same amount of protein and carbohydrates at each meal to keep your glycogen stores filled. But if you're trying fat loss, I say no matter what, I wouldn't go much below 75 grams of carbohydrates a day. So what that would look like, 50 grams with your pre-workout, you know, that could be half a bagel, a sweet potato, something along those lines, and at least 25 grams post-workout to refill your glycogen storage. So basically no less than 75 grams. And if you're going that low, it would be pre and post-workout only. But if you're from a muscle building standpoint, it could be breakfast, lunch, dinner, pre and post-workout. Ben, you have anything you want to take that any further? Um, yeah, so, I mean, like you said, with fat loss, um, I definitely think, you know, and especially depending on your body type, I guess I'll start there. So, you know, if you look at, um, so I'm kind of coming from the, the school of the precision nutrition method, um, which I kind of just spent the last six months working on the nutrition coaching program. So one of the things they look at is your body type, right? So if you're, you know, you have your endomorph, ectomorph, and mesomorph, right? So your ectomorph, someone who's a little naturally skinnier, they're probably going to be a little more carbohydrate tolerant. So you can probably afford to have a little bit more carbohydrate than someone who is on the endomorphic scale, holds on to body fat more, can't, you know, burn calories as easily as, you know, your ecto or mesomorph. So, um, you know, the ectomorph, you're going to be able to afford a little more calories. If you're on that endomorphic stage, um, you might want to increase fat and actually drop carbohydrate intake. Um, and then the, there's also stuff you can look at, um, kind of what you had touched on with the timing of your carbohydrates. So, you know, after your workout, that's when you would want to get more of those starchy carbohydrates. So, you know, like your, you know, your brown rice, your sweet potato, your starchier vegetables, like, you know, butternut squashes, um, peppers, that kind of stuff, a little more sugary. Um, and then at your meals, um, where you're not, you know, they're not post-workout, that's when you want, you know, to try to get your less starchy vegetables, like stuff like broccoli, cauliflower, um, you know, different kind of legumes you can add in there, um, you know, along with the protein source, but you want to get a quality protein source at each meal. You should really strive for that. Um, and then, yeah, for the weight loss, really get those starchy carbohydrates post-workout. Try to get a good serving of vegetables at each meal. Um, and if you can do that consistently, um, you should see weight come off. Um, you know, some people really like to get detail with the macros or, you know, calories. Um, and I think that's good from a, st a starting standpoint to really track that heavily. But eventually you want to get away from that and just, you know, using, you know, you can use your hand as a good portion guide, you know, get a few fistfuls of vegetables, a palm of pro of two or protein, and then a cupped handful of carbohydrate at each meal. And that's usually a pretty good scale to start with. So. Yeah, so just one other point to kind of make um, with all these diets that are out there right now, I mean, there's um, a lot of things with keto and, 
intermittent fasting, carb cycling, and I'm not going to go into the diet too much today because we've covered that in previous ones. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're looking at, you know, a pyramid, just as an example, and you say, right now you're eating 500 grams of carbohydrates and you're at the top of the pyramid. Yeah. You don't want to just jump off that pyramid and start eating 50 grams of carbs. That's ridiculous. Your body doesn't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, gradually walk down a pyramid. Go from 500 grams. Take 10 away for a week. See how your body responds. Then take another 10 away. Gradually decrease your carbohydrates. Doing it all at once. They talk about the keto flu. It's a real thing. You know, if you eliminate sugar and glycogen from your body in such a rapid way... Your body kind of has an allergic reaction. People get sick, they get nauseous, they get headaches, they get things along those lines. Not everybody, but it's one of those things where you really have to step your way down. Mm-hmm. And that holds true with any macro. Yeah. You can't go from 50 grams of protein to 200. Mm-hmm. You got to take your time and, and work your way into these things. Well, I'll say this. I think if you if you grew up in this country and you're living here right now, I think we do a pretty terrible job at educating people on good nutrition. I think most of us, you know, we had like some nutrition classes or touched a little bit on it in like middle school, high school. Um, even, you know, doing an exercise pri- uh, science program, I took one nutrition course, four years of school, like one nutrition course. So, um, you know, I think a lot of us learn our nutrition habits from, you know, our family or what our parents cooked for us when we were younger. And maybe that was good. Maybe that wasn't. But I think a lot of people, there's just a real lack of knowledge. And uh, our society has definitely sacrificed good nutrition, good wholesome food for taste and convenience. Um, I think that's a big problem. So now when people go to the grocery store, there's all these really highly processed, um, highly additive foods that they're advertising as healthy and good for you. Um, you know, if you, you see the cereal that's advertised as heart healthy and then you look and, you know, it's got 17, 20 grams of sugar per serving. It's like, well, that's not really heart healthy. So I think we really need to look at fitness in general. And I think no matter what diet you're on, whether you're a vegetarian, whether you're doing keto, whether you're doing paleo, um, I think for the most part, I think all the one thing that all those different um, schools of thought can agree on is just getting good, high quality, wholesome food. So cutting out the processed crap, cutting out stuff that has a lot of additives, like really highly processed carbohydrates. Just look for the good whole food, eat, you know, fruits, vegetables, good cuts of lean protein um, and really strive to do that. and, you know, even if you're vegetarian, you can still get a lot of really good high quality or vegan, a lot of good high quality protein sources. Um, but just eating good whole food, that's what precision, precision nutrition stresses. Um, just getting people to kind of, you know, release a little bit from the freezer meals, from, you know, the, you know, stuff you're grabbing at like Wawa on the go. It's like, I will say there's healthier options at those places now, but still a lot of it, you're dealing with a lot of really processed food. And if you can kind of wean yourself away from that and eating, you know, just good, wholesome, heart healthy food, that's, that's really where you want to try to strive to be. Um, and then you can start figuring out, you know, what the proper portion size is for you eating for your activity level, eating, you know, to, um, you know, support, you know, whatever it is you need to support. Yeah, and it's hard, and it's going to be hard. It is really hard. Ben, ben and I, we can take down a bag of chips like anybody else. I mean, it's one yeah. of those things. They're, they're designed to work with your taste buds Make and work with physiology. Mm-hmm. That crunch, the bag, the colors of the bag, none of that stuff is by accident. And there, there's, there's a physiological reason that when you eat 
one piece of candy, you want more. Because sugar is almost as addicting as cocaine. That's like a proven statistic. So I actually had a client last week who had just eliminated sugar. I told her to kind of wean herself off it, but she pretty much dove head first and, and got rid of it. And she was sick. And she had headaches and kind of depressed too. Yeah, fortunately she got through that in about seven days mm -hmm. and she was able to have the tenacity to get through it. But most people, they would just dove right back into the Skittles, you know? So it's going to be hard. And that's another thing where it's like, I don't ever recommend anybody do anything cold turkey. You don't go from working out zero days a week to working out six days a week the next week. You just don't do that. Mm -hmm. You don't go from eating 5,000 calories of processed junk to eating 2,000 calories perfect in a week. You just don't do that. You have to add, work your way down that pyramid, as I said before. Yeah, and that's highly important. Um, and I really think, you know, if you're someone, if you have a lot of weight to lose, if you're really looking like, you know, all right, what can I do today? So if you're watching today and you're like, man, I really want to get it together. I have a lot of weight to lose. Um, I would start by going to your doctor and just getting a general blood test. See where your blood cholesterol is. See where your um, blood sugars are at. See what your triglyceride levels look like. Um, you know, they can also see certain hormone levels and you can get that done at your basic, you know, any general doctor should be able to do that for you. And a lot of times your insurance will cover one of those a year that you get free blood work. Um, so I recommend doing that once a year and just kind of see where you're at. Then you can see like, all right, my blood pressure is high. My triglycerides are really high. Um, you know, my blood sugar is really high. So then you can start looking at ways, okay, what can I do to, you know, um, start working on those things, but awareness is the first part. So, you know, really kind of knowing where your health level's at, um, you know, things you can do um, to kind of reduce your um, risk of getting chronic diseases. Um, you know, you can look at instant things in your environment, like if you're a smoker, well, okay, heart disease, that's one big thing you can cut out right there, or, you know, alcohol consumption, you can minimize. Um, but then really looking at the food and getting your nutrition in line, I think one of the main things is just you have to set up that environment to be successful and a lot of that just takes proper planning, right? So if you're the kind of person that you don't really kind of plan what you're going to eat for your dinners every night and kind of have a plan like what you're going to eat for breakfast and you're just kind of winging it every day, it's like anything else. It's really hard to be successful if you're just winging it. So I think a lot of what good nutrition is, is just setting yourself up to be successful. So whether it's you know, like my wife and I do meal prep every Sunday. We cook, you know, like three to four meals um, for dinners and lunches to get us through the good half of the week. And then maybe on Wednesday, we'll cook a few more to get us through. But it's pretty strategic and methodical. And, you know, it's taken a long time for us to get it to where it is now. But and not that you have to do that. Look, not everyone needs to meal prep every Sunday and have all, you know, 27 meals for the week kind of prepared. But um, I do think it's something that you do have to put a lot of intention into and kind of figure out like, okay, like this is what my dinners are going to look like this week. And, you know, allotting the time, um, finding recipes that aren't too time consuming. You don't have to be cooking gourmet style meals. It just takes a little bit of nutritional knowledge um, and just a little intention and you could cook really healthy meals. Um, Precision Nutrition has a great um, gourmet uh, nutrition book out that they're all healthy meals that you can do relatively 20 minutes. So I recommend looking into that. Um, but yeah, um, just, you know, setting yourself up to be successful is, you know, in my opinion, a large part of that battle. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. <laughs> it's one of the best quotes true, I've ever heard, but it makes words. so much sense. But yeah, Ben talked about, I'm, I'm loving how these questions are tying together today. This is one of the first times it actually seamlessly worked together like this. But Ben actually is kind of... It just works well. Exactly. But Ben's talking about getting your blood work done. And um, I think, you know, 
So I've been reading some studies recently that says men in their 30s and 40s, um, we have some of the lowest testosterone levels that we've had ever in the history of our country um, or world for that matter. Um, but it's the biggest issue in the United States. Um, and the question that I got from somebody the other day was, I'm 45 and my libido is dropping and I'm starting to lose muscular size. Um, what supplements, physical or nutritional changes would you recommend? Well, number one, if you don't assess, it's just a guess. So like Ben said, find out where your testosterone is. You know, if you're on a low end, I believe it's 300 to 1,000 is, is what's considered average. So if you're below or ideal, if you're below 300 and you're like 220, well, you're not far off, but you probably want to be somewhere closer to that five, 600 range. And so there's a bunch of things you want to look at with that. Weight training, number one, first and foremost, will increase your testosterone level and it will cause your body to re release growth hormone. Um, primarily, doing squats, deadlifts, lunges, compound movements are going to get more of an effect than single joint movements, and cardio is going to have a very negligible effect. Your intake of food, everybody wants to give saturated fat a very, very bad rep. Well, saturated fat actually helps with your testosterone production in your body. Yep. So having a steak once or twice a week is not going to kill you. Make sure you pick lean, lean meats and you know trim some of the fat off, but eat some of the fat too um, because that's really going to help you there. Um, nuts, walnuts, pistachios, things along those lines. There's a lot of folate and other micro minerals in there that are going to help you increase your testosterone and things along those lines. Look at your cell phone use. Look at your laptop use. If your laptop's sitting on your lap when you're in front of the TV, watching TV, and it's starting to warm your legs and it's by your testicles, you know, it's going to warm them up and you're going to reduce your testosterone. It's just one of those things. Your phone in your pocket. There's some preliminary studies that say that could be an issue as well. Plastic. If you're warming up your food, Ben said about meal prep. Meredith and I do that as well. I'm fortunate that she does most of the meal prep for us, which is it's awesome. But it's one of those things like Pyrex glassware that you can stick in the microwave. Now, microwave is questionable as well. But Pyrex, at least you're not getting the plastic that you would be from your typical Tupperware containers. So I, I think, you know, all those things kind of go hand in hand, you know, and your best approach is to have a healthy diet, eliminate a lot of the processed stuff, and train hard. you have anything additional on that? Um, yeah, one thing that often gets neglected is sleep. Um, I think that's a huge thing that gets overlooked and something that um, if you're not getting at least seven hours a night and you're training hard, you're doing a real detriment to your body. You're not allowing that time for recovery. Um, you're kind of just, you know, overusing, overusing your body and not allowing all that time for it to recover. So there's a lot of great repair to your muscle tissue and, you know, ligaments, joints when you're sleeping. So if you're not getting the amount of sleep, like that's kind of one of the first things I would have people look at. So say you're... Um, you know, training hard, you're working hard, maybe you have young kids and you're just trying to fit it all in um, and then your, your sleep's being cut off. So, you know, you're only getting like four or five hours a night. Like I know some people on, on crazy schedules that tell me they get that and it's like, you're going to be limited with your results, especially if you're looking for weight loss. Um, you know, if you're really depriving yourself of sleep, there's so many good things going on, um, both for your brain and the rest of your body when you're at sleep, a lot of repair going on that you're really putting yourself, you know, in a tough position to be successful, whether it's building muscle, um, anything from that. So I would really encourage people to try to get at least seven hours a night. Um, I know that's sometimes unrealistic if you have really young kids and they're keeping you up through the night, you know, there's, 
certain exceptions that you're just going to have kind of have to work through. But um, if you know you're in a period that you're not getting a lot of sleep, that's definitely not the time to go the most intense with your workouts. You know, you might just want to do stuff that you're still getting benefit from your workout, but you're not, you know, really pushing the cylinders and hitting it hard if you're at a time where you're going through that you can't allow for that recovery time to happen. So. Yeah, and from the supplement standpoint, if you try all those things with the blood work, knowing where you're at, you go back after three to six months and it's it's up a little bit or, or it's staying about the same, there's some different avenues you can look into, uh, things along the lines of Folksalin, uh, DRspitic acid, um, there's plenty of testosterone boosting natural things that are out there that you can actually kind of look into. Um, as I always tell people with fat burners, similar type of situation. For me, that would be a last resort. If you're 35 years old or, or 36, testosterone boosters probably aren't the best thing for you. But from this guy's standpoint, being 45, if three to six months doesn't help, you know, maybe you start looking into something like that. Um, just make sure you get a supplement that's not a proprietary blend. Make sure you know exactly what's in it. Talk to your doctor. Get an appropriate opinion on what you think is going to work the best. And then, you know, work hand-in-hand -hand with the trainer and blood work and the doctor to assess and see where you're at and actually see if you're progressing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think for the guy in that situation, um, I do think, you know, when you're getting to a point where you're looking at, you know, 45, pushing 50, um, I know there are doctors out there now that are doing a little bit of testosterone therapy. Um, I know it's big. Um, I'm trying to remember the one doctor who uh, Joe Rogan has on a lot, but he, he uh, has found a lot of correlation with head injury and testosterone production. So... If you're an ex-football or rugby player or even, you know, in the military and were um, you know, susceptible to like a large explosion, received a head injury, um, I know he's worked with a lot of guys like that, but sometimes that can affect, traumatic head injury can affect testosterone production, so you see it sometimes in fighters, you take a lot of hits to the head, so um, obviously you're not going to be able to supplement with testosterone if you're competing in any kind of, you know, athletic organization because it's going to be banned, but... If you're just an average guy looking for a healthier life, wanting to stay active and maintain um, muscle supplementation, it might be something when you look over, get over 45 to talk to your doctor about. Um, there's uh, a few supplements out there right now. I know the one um, Frank Thomas endorses. I think that's, uh, I can't remember what that's called, T something. But, you know, yeah, when you get to that point, but, you know, I think that should be definitely not something you're looking into when you're younger. Like, see you know, focus on everything else. You can do your training, your nutrition, um, your sleep schedule, and then, you know, look at that. If you get tested and you see it's a little low, then you can start, you know, looking into maybe supplementation. But I always try to look at all the things you can do naturally first. Um, you know, those other three things we just mentioned, the sleep, nutrition, training, um, you know, before you start delving into that, because it could be a deep problem that you really need to, you know, use supplementation for. But, um, do everything you can, you know, from your standpoint first, and then, you know, you might need more in-depth testing, seeing if you have any other vitamin or mineral deficiencies that might also be playing into your uh, production. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go out there and say it as well. You know, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're, you're in a healthy relationship, make sure you're, you're having sex every now and then. Make sure you're, you know, finding that time and, you know, being safe about it. But, like, that increases your testosterone, too. You know, looking looking at good looking men or good looking women, that's gonna you know increase your libido as well. Uh, you know, I had to say, like that's one of those things. Like you can't sit there and be in a healthy relationship and go months without sex. So if you're in a relationship like that, I'm sorry.
but you gotta use it if you don't want to lose it. Because one of the big reasons I'm saying this is, for a man, if you ejaculate seven times a week, you actually reduce your prostate cancer risk by about 50%, which is crazy. I mean, that might be a high number, but if you're not using it at all, you could be creating problems down the line. I just had to say. I didn't know we'd be going there today. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, yeah, that's some valid information for everyone out there. That's right. That's right. So, changing topics entirely. We're going to go into, so, machines, dumbbells, or free weights, which is the best for overall muscular development? Uh, well, one, it depends what your goals are. Um, you know, I definitely like to get people working with, you know, coming from more of a functional kind of background and standpoint and the way I train people. Um, I definitely like to try to get people using more free weights and dumbbells. Um, you know, free weights, I guess, could be anything from kettlebells, um, dumbbells, maces, you know, any barbell even. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, if you're obviously bodybuilding and looking to get, you know, real enhancement in some of, you know, there's smaller muscle groups like biceps, triceps, and you're really looking for that muscle definition, um, yeah, it's probably good to have some machines in your workout. And also if you're a beginner, um, you're not going to have this, the joint stability and the balance to, you know, maybe stand up and press dumbbells over your head or, you know, do a bodyweight squat. So yeah, maybe, you know, you might want to start off just doing, um, you know, some chest press machines, some shoulder press, some lat pull down. Um, there's nothing wrong with using machines to, um, you know, to, to build a base for your strength. Um, I do like to get people to, tr to transition to free weights just because you're using a lot more of, you, you know, your joint control. Um, you're, you're up on your feet, you're standing more, so you're, you're developing a lot more core strength and you're going to burn more calories when you're up on your feet doing compound movements than you are when you're just sitting down on, on a machine. But, um, you know, uh, just like when we were talking about cardio earlier and some people that, that are kind of like, you know, against like no cardio at all. And then you get your, you know, I think free weight purists that say like, oh, machines are no good. Um, you know, machines still serve a purpose. They can help you build a lot of strength. And especially if you're injured and maybe you don't have that stability in the joint right now, there, there's nothing wrong with using a machine. Um, you know, I think everyone, again, depending on what your goal is and what the reason is, um, I just think just always have a justification for the exercise you're doing and the tool you're using. And if it's providing benefit to your workout and what your goals are, then, you know, use it as long as it's not creating any injury and as long as you're, you know, seeing results from it. Yeah, exactly. So what's um, going on, Meredith? <laughs> what's up, Meredith? So we covered a lot of ground here and, and, you know, just summing up that machines, dumbbells and free weights, I think everything has its place. And I agree wholeheartedly with everything Ben said there. Um, so do you guys have any questions, anything you want us to cover? Um, I'm just going to do a little plug here. In December, Danielle Kepperling and myself will be doing a, a holiday edition of the Coffee with the Trainer. We're going to talk about how you can get through the holidays without a lot of extra weight gain and things along those lines. Um, also on formalfitnesstraining.com, I have the Holiday Survival Guide on my blog that just came up last week. That might help you out a little bit there. Um, but yeah, this guy and I, we go way back and, you know, I hope you got a lot of information out of the two of us. I mean, we covered a lot of different stuff. So maybe you want to go back and, you know, take some notes and we're both free to, you know, ask questions at any time, you know, send us a message and, um, we're in this industry because we want to help people genuinely. Um, there's definitely a lot of different trainers out there. There's... Mm -hmm. 
a lot of good ones, there's a lot of bad ones, but I look at it like kind of like the restaurant industry, and I think I might have said this on here before, but there's the lifers, like Ben and I, we're going to be doing this forever. Um, there's the people that do it, you know, for a stepping stone into another career. That's all right. Mm -hmm. You know, and then there's mm -hmm. the people that just do it for money. So, you know, if you're going to spend your hard-earned money and finding a good trainer, just do a little bit of homework, find a good trainer, you know, find somebody that actually has your best interest in mind and, and know that every trainer is a little bit different. I mean, I always think about why I'm missing fitness. I think we have 10 different trainers, four or five girls and four or five guys. We're all completely unique, but we're all, we all bring something to the table. And, you know, you got to find that right person that's going to be meant for you and somebody that aligns with your core values. So, mm -hmm. Ben, you have anything more you want no, to No, I think, you know, I think you nailed it on the head there. I think, you know, there's a lot of trainers out there. Everyone's kind of got their own different style. So you just have to find the person that matches you. Um, and that's a good fit for you both, you know, from like building a rapport standpoint that you feel comfortable with, um, that, you know, maybe it's a difficult issue that you have to tell. You want someone you're comfortable with that you can trust. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, you obviously want someone who's going to keep your safety in mind. Um, I think that's the golden rule for any trainer, do no harm. So, you know, we're obviously here to help build people up. We're here to, you know, help people work toward their goals. But the number one thing that we shouldn't be doing is hurting people. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a Mike Boyle kind of golden rule. Just, you know, first and foremost, make sure you're not doing something that's going to, you know, negatively impact, you know, the person you're working with. Um, so I think if you're looking for a trainer out there, looking for someone to work with, um, look for someone that's reputable that, you know, that isn't going to, you know, do something that's going to put you in a position that you're going to, you know, be susceptible to an injury. Um, and then, you know, look at the person, look at what their specialties are, really know what your, your goal is in mind. I'll say that for, you know, um, when you're looking for, you know, whether it's joining a gym, whether it's, you know, trying to find the right class or the right trainer, like know what your intention is for doing it. Um, you know, whether you're trying to build muscle or lose weight or, you know, really just kind of, you know, build your fitness back up. Um, look for someone kind of like you were saying, whose values align with you, but, um, is also going to have your best interests in mind and, and really, you know, program the best that they possibly can to help you meet your goals. Um, and you know, that has a style that fits you. You know, I work with a lot of people. Some people really love swinging a mace around their head and building their fitness through that way. And then I have other people that, you know, just want more of like a machine based kind of, you know, quick circuit workout. So, you know, I think you really, you have to give the person what they want. Um, but you know, also a little bit of what they need and, you know, not be afraid to, if you think that there's something that they can improve upon, let them know that. Um, but, you know, still make sure that you're kind of, you know, servicing the reason that they hired you in the first place. Yeah, and I think, you know, make sure um, you find a trainer that cares. Because I know Ben and I both, we care about your, your financial well-being, your intellectual well-being, your emotional well-being, your physical, your mental, and your nutritional well-being. All those things are important. So, like, we want you guys to take care of yourself everywhere. Like, you can take care of yourself in the gym, but if you don't take care of yourself at home, you know, get the right amount of sleep you know, have good friends in your life and things like that, you know, you're not going to have a well-rounded life. So you want to have a well-rounded life. Always be setting goals along the way for your emotional, for your friendships, your intellectual. Make sure you're always setting goals for all of those things. You know, don't just go to the gym and focus just on the gym. Make sure you have a balance in your life. I think that's something people don't talk about much. Yeah. Working 80 hours a week is great, but if, if you lose all your friends and your family hates you, 
and you know you're overworked you're not sleeping that was the whole concept behind intuitive roots it's like i said earlier that three pillar approach like you know mind body passion kind of concept um you know you should be keeping your knowledge and your mind sharp you should be keeping your body just you know at a point where you're not susceptible to chronic disease and that you can move well and um you know, keep that longevity as you, you know, with your body as you kind of move through life. And then also just having those things that you're passionate about. And as I stated earlier, it doesn't have to be, you know, a physical pursuit. Um, a lot of my passions are physical pursuits, but it could be something like playing an instrument, you know, whatever, like doing art, painting, um, just have things in your life that bring you that joy, that, you know, that reason to get out of bed every morning, even if it's not your job, you know, it's great if your job is your passion. Um, you know, I think you and I are fortunate in that aspect, but if it's not, then have something in your life that you're passionate about that when you get off work, you can't wait to go and do. Um, I think you really need those things in your life that, you know, just kind of keep you pushing and keep you kind of, you know, honest with yourself, um, you know, as you age through life. So yeah, what and who you surround yourself with is what you're going to become. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So make sure you're choosing wisely the people you're surrounding yourself and the time you're devoting to things. So thank you, Matt, for the kind words. I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to give Ben a second here just to like let everybody know where you can find him, um, what type of things he's doing going forward. And thank you for being on a show. I'll let you. Oh uh, yeah. Thank you for having me, man. It's been a, an absolute pleasure here. Um, so yeah, um, so as far as my personal stuff, I kind of do outside of my corporate gig, um, intuitiveroots.com, you can check that out. Um, right now we kind of have, you know, a little sign-up started for some of the virtual fitness programs we have um, coming up in uh, the new year that uh, my buddy Noah and I have really been working on. Um, I hope he's on the West Coast, so I hope he got his lazy ass out of bed and watched a little bit of this. <laughs> um, but uh, no, he, he's really great. He's really helped build um, pretty much that whole website that you're looking at if you go there. And he's big into the podcast, the Chaos Wranglers. And um, so we're really working on developing some good online fitness programs. going to start with uh, body weight and then progress to, you know, mace, kettlebell, and suspension training. That's probably going to be the three biggest implement-focused um, things that we use. Um, but yeah, I do some in-person training, you know, as I mentioned, um, you know, with my 40 hour work week, I do as much in-person training as I can, but, um, I'm trying to kind of keep that minimal and put a lot more focus into these virtual programs. So, um, you know, I do have some availability for in-person training, um, if you're in the Philadelphia area. So, uh, you know, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, uh, under intuitive roots. Um, and you know, you can always uh, hit us up on intuitiveroots.com. So, Hey, uh, have a great Thanksgiving. Be yeah, thankful. Thanks for tuning in, anyone that took time out of your Friday. Yeah, so we're grateful for you guys. Thank you. All right, have a good one, guys.